You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. All right, welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast. This is your host and founder, Andre Ebron. I am so excited to be with you all here this evening. Uh, What's funny is I want to give a shout out to all of the educational professionals that return to work um, today. It seems like we returned to to work and fall decided to kick all the way in. Um, I want to say to all of the essential workers that are working out there, Uh, I salute you. My hat's off to you. Uh, I'm definitely praying for you as we uh, do our best to provide a quality education for the young people that we are servicing, whether you are virtual, whether you are online, whether you have a learning lab in your school, uh, the work that you are doing, it is literally changing the lives for four generations, Uh, whether it's the grandparents bringing grandchildren to school whether it is the actual parent bringing the child to school, it is the child that you're currently serving as well as the children that they will have in the future. So what you're doing, it makes a huge difference. So tonight I have uh, one of my fraternity brothers on. And let me tell you, I always promise you quality information from quality guests. So let me welcome to the show. Let's give a drawing board welcome to my fraternity brother and this great brother who's changing the world through hospitality. Put your hands together and receive for the Sam Bullock the Third. Put your hands together, man. It's great to see you, brother. Man, good to be here, man. Thank you for the invite. Such a blessing to uh, to touch base with you in this medium, man. Get a chance to just dialogue about some some things in our background, places where we were, places where we're going, um, how we're looking to touch our community. So I'm really excited about uh, this discussion today. Well, listen, man, before we jump into it and dive into it, let me uh, introduce to some, present to others uh, who you are. So as a graduate of the Le Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts Chicago, formerly the Cooking and Hospitality Institute of Chicago, Sam blends skills, Sam blends kitchen skills with his professional acumen to curate and expand new branded experiences for all connections. He is a multifaceted professional with over 15 years of occupational and consulting involvement in the areas of menu development, food and beverage management, hospitality, customer care, culinary management, sales, concept designs, and business development. Brother, you sound like you're putting in work there, sir. I had to make sure you were talking about me, man. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, and and as you were reading, man, uh, it's quite a layered past. I've been fortunate to just, you know, work in a number of different arenas, man. I had a a very good upbringing, very good uh, support system uh, just throughout my professional, uh, you know, matriculation and, and, um, uh, yeah, just excited to be doing the work that I'm that I'm doing today, uh, just trying to touch the community. So listen, man, I, I have been working with the nutritionist uh, really uh, for the drawing board. It's about bringing creativity to everything that you do, even uh, diversifying and, and culturating your palate. So, man, 
talk to me about what got you into hospitality and what got you into to cooking. It's a long story, man. But uh, the, the the short of it is, is uh, I, I really was um, uh, the product of a very uh, uh, loving household. You know, my father was a minister, um, as you know, um, yes. my, my mother's uh, 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 my grandfather, my mother's father uh, was a minister in Augusta, Georgia. My father hails from uh, hailed from Boston, Massachusetts. We were uh, a big family. Um, so, you know, those those summertime months and, and sometimes around the holidays, we would travel and spend time together as a as a family. So uh, sitting down around the table at those large dinners and uh, just the camaraderie and the fellowship uh, really stuck with me, man. And I, I didn't realize how much it was just something that was commonplace when I was young and coming up. Had a different career, uh, was, uh, you know, had some success. And um, the culinary piece was always something I really wanted to explore. I was working uh, in a different industry in uh, southwestern Michigan, actually. And uh, I was there for a good good two, three years when I really got passionate about exploring uh, nutrition, exploring uh, uh, culinary. and that took me to Chicago. So I, I branched out, um, researched enough because there's a number of fine culinary institutions uh, in the metro Chicago land area. Settled on one and had a great support system. Spent two years in the city, got a chance to travel abroad a little bit um, and got really excited and involved not only in the culinary arts aspect of it, but like you mentioned, the nutrition piece as well. And that kind of drove it home for me because I was able to see a different dynamic at play in our community and in my particular family as it relates to nutrition, right? How we, how we prepare our food, um, certain things that were affecting members of the family. Those were kind of drivers uh, behind me wanting to get affiliated in this industry. And it has been a whirlwind trip, my brother. Uh, it's taken me to a number of different places. I've met so many wonderful people. Uh, tremendous opportunities all across the coast, uh, across this great country of ours. I've been able to just do some tremendous work. Um, so that's that's sort of where uh, the beginnings of that was. I was I was working as a uh, as a bank executive in Kalamazoo, Michigan, from Kazoo. And something right. said, and some Battle Creek in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And something said, you know, um, I'll tell you what. I had a, I have a dear friend of mine. Her name is Priscilla Barnes. Priscilla Barnes. Uh, joined me in Battle Creek maybe six or eight months after I landed there. Um, and we were really sort of navigating the community. There was a close-knit group of young professionals at the time that were trying to just bring some enlightenment to the community, bring a social aspect to it, trying to elevate the uh, um, sort of uh, Black young professional scene. Uh, we partnered with the local Urban League there developed a young professional uh, organization, the Young Professionals Group, that is a component of the Urban League. uh, And we established that there. And through that process, my dear friend Priscilla would always say to me, as we were putting on these events, she said, you should, you should look into, into hospitality, you this, this, this kind of thing comes natural for you. And I guess it was just the social aspect of it wanting to uh, wanting to interact with people, share stories, listen to other people's stories, um, create a safe space for 
young uh, young folks to come and that that looked like me uh, to come together and engage. Um, and that was sort of the, the the really nuanced beginning of it. And I still have a, a great number of colleagues in the southwestern Michigan area that I maintain connections with uh, to this day. But Priscilla really sparked uh, that fire for me. And, and, and that kind of drove me into looking and researching ways in which I could really uh, uh, pursue the industry seriously uh, and get the training and the tutelage that I think I would, I thought that I would need uh, in order to make a, an, an impact in the industry. So that's, that's sort of the, uh, that's sort of the beginning. Oh, that, that's an excellent story, man. There's so many nuggets uh, in what you were sharing there. Yeah. Um, I was listening to something today and it says um, you can be extremely gifted at something, but there still must be a declaration in order to activate uh, you, you know, that it builds that momentum in that, that direction. So although you had that natural gifting, uh, clearly you leadership was something that just uh, was modeled for you uh, in your home. Um, when you guys established that in a uh, Kalamazoo battle Creek area, that you have someone alongside of you that value your gifts enough to put put some articulation to it. And once you had that idea, that thought, uh, you've been literally able to help transform the lives, starting with your family and then uh, others that uh, you encounter. Now, what's interesting, man, is you clearly are a man of service. Uh, You clearly are a person who, uh, as my mother would say, in order to bring a change, you have to get involved. And so I'm reading here, man, and you serve as a member of the American Culinary Federation and the American uh, Cancer Society. You're a former at-large city commissioner for Battle Creek. Uh, You served on boards for Habitat for Humanity in Western Michigan, the Food Bank in South Central Michigan, uh, the Urban League of Southwestern. Man, listen, you are just, how important is service to what, what it is that you do? I know we talk about uh, customer service almost being a lost art. Talk to me about how the industry of hospitality is changing, particularly when we are without without um, categorized under so much pressure and stress. How does hospitality and service? How has the industry changed among the different things that the nation is facing? Well, that's man. That's a huge. That's a huge question. Um, I'll, 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 it says a lot in there, so let let me address it piece by piece. Um, the, the service component for me, uh, again, started in the home. You know, my father was a Baptist minister. Um, I, I got two younger brothers. Both of them are in the ministry. Um, I was the only one that sort of skirted that calling, <laughs> right? right? But everything that is and about church is in me. I just never got behind the sacred desk, as they call it, other than you know, Bible study and teaching Sunday school and being a deacon and all of that. But the service piece, servant leadership was always instilled in me at a young age, you know, and I can remember my father's booming voice, stand up straight, speak with intent. If individuals are less fortunate than you, you want to be a person that is helpful or giving. Those are the kinds of of sort of bare bones, basic uh, uh, tools that my dad sort of laid down uh, for me. So it was instilled in me at a very early age. Uh, Translate that to the industry. Service is a big component. I can't, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to highlight this for you, Andre. How many times have you been to a place 
and the service is not necessarily on par or, you know, we, we, we have a litany of stories. All of us do, right. We go to some place and um, the person that, that we're meeting might not be greeting us or um, maybe what's happening in the, you know, the, the, the environment of the day is affecting that person's attitude. And that comes out in the exchange with the individual. So how, you know, how do you handle those things? How do you become, you know, uh, 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 diligent and specific as it relates to customer service? This is really one of my pet peeves. So I've always really tried to focus on the importance of, 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 of elevating the expectation of service, uh, specifically customer service and exceeding the expectation, right? Over promising, you know, uh, um, uh, or under promising over delivering. That's essentially what I would do. Right. Um, how it's changed for the industry is, has just been tremendous. There's always, there has always been a opportunity, uh, for us to really have, um, that, uh, uh, sort of stable, uh, nuanced, uh, customer service flow, uh, you know, as it relates to hospitality, uh, uh culinary, uh, things of that nature. You really want to wow the person that you're entertaining. If you're spending time in a social environment or in a social aspect with someone, um, first of all, you want to be selective about the time that you share with these individuals. And when you finally do, you want that to be a, a place where they can be welcomed, where it can be welcoming, where it's not forced. It can be organic, right? Where your expectations might not only be met, but exceeded. Um, the environment of the day has just taken a hit with what we're dealing with uh, from a health perspective. Um, there's different nuanced changes as it relates to service, hospitality, service leadership that are constantly changing. So it's a, it's a big dynamic. The key for me, man, has always been to walk into a situation where uh, I am always going to focus on the controllables that I can control, right? Namely myself, uh, things that I can deliver, um, meet that expectation. And if it's not coming to fruition, being very transparent about the process of arriving to a place where that expectation can be met. And I think that's really important just being in this industry. Um, I'm sure like you, we've had just a, you know, a, a varied professional backgrounds. And I can't tell you how important it is to be, um, to be sort of trans, uh, sort, sort of uh, uh, even keel um, and, and very uh, on the money when, when you're dealing with, with people. Um, you have to just engage them specifically where their need is. That's and good. if you're able to not only identify that, but meet and exceed, then I think you've got something. So those kinds of things were established uh, with me early on. And I've, I've sort of used those tools and tactics just throughout my, my professional career. And I, I mean, I think that is imperative because I'm seeing all type of businesses, particularly uh, that have the customer service component and they have great ideas. Uh, they may even have a great product. But if the customer service is lacking and if the acumen or the training or the skill set is not there uh, on that end, I'm seeing a need for like professional development. I'm seeing a need where 
that even when people participate in professional development, there's a certain degree of personal development and maturity that must accompany that hospitality. It was, it's like um, I've been in places where, uh, and it has nothing to do with age, but it definitely has a certain level of class uh, that you're looking for from the experience and how. That's key. That's key. The experience is key. Yes. And so that is what, that's what we do here, man. We are looking to create an experience that will transform the world. So, man, talk to me about, uh, man, the city is changing. Uh, the fabric of hospitality in the city of Detroit. We're seeing what some people call Detroit is, you know, having a great comeback. It's changing. Our downtown areas are changing. Midtown, these areas are changing. Uh, what is it that uh, Sam Bullock the Third and Hospitality Bros and the things that you're doing? Uh, how are how are you all either initiating, um, you know, the conversation or participating in the conversation? of the hospitality scene changing in Detroit? Let me tell you something. What's happening in our city is dynamic. Um, it is exciting. Uh, it's it's burgeoning. It's scary. It's uh, lively. It's all of those things wrapped up in one package, right? right. Um, and I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I, I just love to see the things that are really popping and exploding. Uh, from downtown and sort of spreading out, right? You've got these wonderful places, you know, places like uh, Central Kitchen come to mind, uh, Park in downtown, Besa, uh, uh, the Townhouse Group, um, you know, so many places, Maru Sushi, some of these places that didn't exist, you know, two, three, five years ago. Um, so it's good to see these opportunities really coming back to the heart of the city of Detroit uh, and making their way into these, uh, you know, major metropolitan uh, throughways uh, in the city and ultimately migrating out through the, the veins of the other neighborhoods in our community. So it's, it's lively, it's bustling. So that, that really speaks to me as far as the energy and the excitement of, uh, of things that are going on. Um, I have had my hands in a number of different things. I've had a chance to just work with some prolific chefs, some great organizations. Um, a little bit of my background, I was with uh, uh, Heirloom Hospitality, bringing concepts like uh, Townhouse Detroit and Birmingham to fruition, helping guys develop concepts like uh, um, Prime and Proper over in Capitol Park. Um, <clears throat> I've worked with Guys at Park Detroit, uh, I've worked with institutions like DTE, spent a large stint with Gleaners Community Food Bank, doing a number of years of uh, programming with them, uh, culinary concept development, uh, things of that nature. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. So through all of those uh, experiences and opportunities, number one, I think it was really imperative for uh, for me and the individuals that I I was and am working with to develop a close knit network, right? A community that we could rely upon um, when we needed uh, direction and support and skill, uh, sort of skill tutelage, um, fine tuning ways in which we wanted to bring different ideas and concepts to fruition. So opportunities to work with 
organizations like that. And then even larger organizations um, like your uh, Delaware North corporations at Comerica Park and working with the litany of chefs that are there uh, or your compass group co uh, corporations that are running DTE and Quicken Loans and uh, the bedrock com uh, uh, communities. Uh, those kinds of organizations are doing tremendous things in the culinary food scene as well. Um, so me being a participant in a lot of those areas, I always wanted to stand alone and focus on, okay, how can, how can not only we as a group distinguish what we're doing from the other guy in the industry, but what is it that I can do to impact change, uh, create something that's standalone and give, give that back. What, what kind of opportunities are there for me to create something that's long lasting beyond me? Right. Um, and I see a lot of people taking those ideas and, and, you know, running with them. It's, it's, it's fantastic to see things like, uh, you know, the Monarch Club and uh, Breakman and Penny Reds and the Siren Hotel with Carl's and all these places are amazing. Right. So, different ideas and concepts that are coming to the city. It's fantastic. Um, so I have tried to take different experiences that I've had and create a landing place where I can sort of create a focal point for those. And it has come out uh, into the development of a number of different mediums. Uh, my personal uh, Love Jones hospitality group, where I'm able to do some, some uh, private events uh, some personal chef uh, uh, events, some catering opportunities, uh, born out of a love for food, named in the honor of my mother. So as Love Jones, we all remember the popular movie. That's right. But we spelled, you know, we spelled Joan after my mother's name, J-O-A-N apostrophe S, Love Jones. So an ode to her. And uh, I look for an opportunity to really connect with individuals that want to bring a great uh, classy, highbrow, but still comfortable, let your hair down kind of uh, event, whether that be large or small, and we can make it happen uh, for you. Um, and then the other side of that with what you mentioned with hospitality, bros, uh, came out of, a, a, again, just being open to communicating with other individuals in this, in this uh, uh, just wonderful industry that we're in. Um, I can recall times where you and I have been together and then just the organic conversations that have happened. And we just have touched on a litany of issue, issues before we, you know, shake hands and we depart. Uh, so in like fashion with the hospitality, bros, two uh, good, good brothers of mine, one specifically that I've known since high school. So I'm dating myself, man. This is well over 20 years. All so right. this, is a, this is a partner of mine uh, who called me up one day. And he said, man, listen, I see you doing some wonderful things. I got an idea. Why don't we put together a landing place where it can be a collective? He's a he's an artist by design. He's an art um, curator by design. Right? Well, that's one of the things that he does. But his I think his true passion is to bring people together. Um, so as we were talking, we were looking for an opportunity to create a collective where we could not only provide a space for individuals to come and maybe uh, experience good food and experience good drink and have a social um, uh, sort of uh, collision of the, of the minds and the personalities. Not only that, we also wanted a place that talked about 
the importance of culture in food, the yes. importance of culture in in beverage, you know, the the development of the bartender and how that is rooted in the ancient African African American history of this country. Um how that is sustainable and present in the years that have come before us and the kinds of food that were present uh, for African-Americans and the evolution of the history behind food, how those things have taken shape, right? So we want to talk about the cultural piece. We want to talk about the historical piece. Uh, and then we also wanted to uh, focus on some some how-tos and maybe some tutorials. I, I always get, those are the, the big questions I always get. Uh, you know, so Sam, I, you know, you're a chef. How do I, you know, how do I roast a chicken or how do I, how do I cook right. uh, vegetables and without them getting soggy or, you know, I want, you know, or I eat the same vegetables. I'm always eating green beans and spinach. Is there anything else out there that's for me? Right. So demystifying that for people, making it very easy and nuanced and approach approachable for them is something that drove me and my buddy to create hospitality bras. And he introduced me to a young guy out of Oxford, Mississippi, who is a mixologist by trade. And the three of us uh, birthed this idea of the Hospitality Bros Collective. It's in its infancy stages now, but really what we want to do is focus on that theme behind educating, culture, uh, great food, great beverage, and just top-notch social experience. We don't want it to be stuffy. We want you right. to be able to feel included when you walk through the door or included when you log on to a session, right? It's an open medium. It's a place wherein which we can be free to uh, uh, share ideas and concepts. And then we each walk away feeling a little bit better, being a little bit better, whether that was through an awesome meal or an awesome opportunity or meeting some fantastic people. That's sort of the collective energy that's driving hospitality bros. So there's so many different opportunities to take advantage of since the industry is expanding. Right. And I think it's, it's on the precipice of another change. A lot of folks have looked at what's happening with COVID and, 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 you know, uh, naturally we have lost, we lost a tremendous amount of jobs August uh, will march through uh, April and May coming up through, you know, the later months, August, September, October, you're seeing some stability in the hospitality and restaurant market, but it's not quite where it was, right? So it's scary, it's new, but it gives each of us in this industry an opportunity to get back to the drawing board, right? Absolutely. How can we, how can we solidify those things that may have been on the cusp that we didn't nail down? Let's make Let's make our sanitation program the best in the business. Right. Let's make our customer service angle the best in the business. Let's make hospitality and food uh, and craft beverage synonymous with one another. And that is going to define our brand. And then you spin that with the different concepts and visuals that you can bring to fruition that are going to attract people. And I think folks will respond to that because we're not going to be trapped in our houses forever. That's right. The industry is going to rebound. Things are going to change. And I think those individuals that will be successful after this are the ones that are putting in the planning now, the ones that are looking at ways 
to differentiate themselves from where they were back in February before everything went the way it did, uh, and then coming out better, coming out anew, right? Like the phoenix rising from the ashes, just redefining, redefining yourself. And it just takes a commitment to those, to those base elements and those base principles. For me, what drove me to get into the business in the first place, because I'm such an advocate of customer service. I know how I like to be treated when I go out. I know what I want to experience when I'm, when I'm dining out. If you and I were to get together for a milkshake, I know exactly what I would like to expect if I was to take you to a place that you might have been before or had never been before. I know what kind of experience I want to have. Uh, these are the things that are really important to me. So uh, how can we not only maximize and develop those so that they are beneficial for us, right? But maybe right. we can package them in such a way that we're giving that information back, right? It can be easily duplicated in a corporate setting, just like it can be duplicated in your dining room or kitchen at home. So that's yeah. what we want to, you know, that's what we really want to do. And that's that's kind of where we're going with this. And that's sort of the the catalyst for some of the things that I'm involved in. Uh, and specifically with what has prompted me to get into the business in the first place. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And of course, you know, I'm extracting all of these principles, man, as you're sharing. Um, and I, I just feel that it's so excellent when I watch people eat or I've gone places to eat and uh, whether different parts of the country, the different seasonings that are or are not available, uh, the historical uh, foundation from which it it comes from. Um, like my family that's from New Orleans, uh, when I went down there and I got a chance to eat some etouffee and uh, we're down there eating all time. Man, listen, it, Man, it is certain. Blow that, your mind. Oh, listen, it's certain things that I don't even order unless I'm in that region of the nation. Right. right. Because I don't, I don't want the, the disappointment. Right. Of You've been people. spoiled. I have been. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, um, man, I remember getting a chance to uh, watch you on the news and you were preparing a dish. And I, what I what I admired about what you were doing then is that you you were so excellent at your execution that it made the onlooker feel like I can do that, too. And uh, and I think that that is what uh, when you're someone who is truly gifted, truly talented and knowledgeable about their craft. It takes someone who only has a base knowledge uh, to appreciate as a voyeur to come in and feel like I can do that, too. So here's the question that I have for you as a chef. You got to break it down for me, brother. All right. What is your favorite dish? Uh, Let's see. Okay, Uh, my all time. I get that question a lot, man. I I love food. Okay, Uh, I love food, man. But I got to say my all time favorite dish something that I'm never going to turn down if whether I'm preparing it or somebody else is preparing it, I got to taste that. Or if it's on a menu, I'm going to order it. Beef short ribs. I don't know what it is about it. Okay. But uh, the beef short rib is something about the taste of home to me. Mm. And I think that uh, I didn't have it a lot growing up, but I think that it, but I had those flavors and obviously I came from a family, you know, and, you know, Sunday pot roast, that was a staple. And, you know, we had the Sunday pot roast, or we had the meatloaf, or we had the smothered pork chops. So, you know, we had those meals. Everybody knows those meals. Right. Um, and they were good. Mom and dad got in the kitchen, and they they had that alchemy going on, and they made magic, right? Um, and I think once I just learned the different processes of, well, first of all, having respect for 
butchery, right? When I went to culinary school, having respect for where your food comes from, mm-hmm. uh, I really identify with that. A lot of people I, I deal with in the industry, man, they're like, you know, I ask them, where's your food come from? Kroger? No, I mean, before that, Kroger. <laughs> so, you know, so, so wait, wait, expound on that for a minute. So for us that are listening, um, appreciating butchery. Yeah. And, here, here, and so here's why I'm interested in it. So my mother-in-law for nearly 30 years worked in at Farmer Jack and she was in the back actually uh, serving as a butcher, cutting up the meat, all of those things. So uh, talk to me about it, man. Where like. Well, it started it long before from? it started long before culinary school. You know, uh, I can remember as a kid uh, going to Augusta, Georgia. That's where my mom's folks were. My mom's dad and and my grandmother, PK, they lived way out in the rural sticks in Augusta, man. I, I mean, you know, I, I, if you told me to draw your map today, I couldn't really tell you where it was. I remember where the house was, but it was way in the sticks. And I remember waking up in the morning, going to the chicken coop, getting warm eggs for breakfast. I remember, okay. you know, I remember, you know, if we had a, if we didn't have a chicken for dinner, I remember we went out there, we did what we had to do to, to have chicken for dinner. Right. And, uh, you know, my, myself and my grandmother, we went out there, you know, slaughtered a chicken, the whole deal. I did that years ago. And I remember I was the only one. I had two younger brothers that didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I was just intrigued. Right. I wanted to see where it came from. And um, obviously, you know, they had the Piggly Wiggly and all those other supermarkets at the time. But, you know, they lived off the land. Yeah. And uh, that sort of sparked it for me. So, you know, obviously, when I started, uh, you know, educating myself and getting into arenas where, uh, you you know, you were focusing on butchery, focusing on, especially in Chicago when, when uh, you know, I worked as a butcher for a time at a restaurant there um, for uh, a few months uh, before I moved up to the line. And then just having the respect with being able to process or fabricate a side of meat, what's usable product, what's waste, you, you appreciate it more. Um, so there is a science that goes into different specific cuts of meat, whether that's poultry or beef or veal or, you know, or lamb or, or, or what have you, pork. Um, so being able to identify those, break them down accordingly and treat them well with cooking techniques and, and a proper cooking process is something that really uh, spoke to me. Right. And, and then, you know, I'm able to sort of share that as well. So when you're, when you do happen to go to a supermarket and you're looking for, a prime rib, or you're looking for a ribeye, you're looking for a strip, you're looking for a pork chop, you know the you know what to look for, or you know, you can tell what's good quality and what isn't, you know, and I'm those are the kinds of things that I really appreciate now. Or or if I really want to find, you know, identify a a, a nice uh you know a piece of, of of meat for an event that I'm doing, I don't have to go to those grocery stores. I can go straight to the purveyors that are downtown. I can go to Eastern Market, I can talk to the guys, we can walk the room. Um and I can point out what I want, what I need, what I don't want. Uh, and these are the kinds of things that I like to speak to people about. Um, so specifically with those cuts of meat, uh, getting into that at, at, you know, younger and then sort of educating myself, I kind of knew what to look for. So uh, that kind of brought me full circle with that that one dish, the beef short ribs, because like I mentioned, I didn't have that growing up. But when I and then I remember when it was cheap. You know, that was that was like a cheap cut of meat back in the day. And when we did have it, it wasn't expensive. Now they're pricey because they're in demand. It's amazing how the trend changes, right? People know, they, they kind of know what, they, they, what they're looking for. So now you, you, pray, you pay a pretty penny for something like that. And um, that sort of thing, as far as a favorite dish, being able to treat that with 
love and, and appreciation and being uh, 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 specific with your seasoning and complimenting it. It's, you know, with different uh, um, uh, accoutrement and different sides. It just makes it, it speaks to a meal. You can elevate it uh, to a white tablecloth fine dining dish or you can serve it as a family meal. It's it is across the board. It is op- totally open to individual interpretation, which is why I love it. And it's delicious. So that's the one dish that I really, really, really enjoy because there's so many different cooking techniques that you can apply to that um, in order to yield a tremendous dish. And I believe if a person is uh, if a person is an omnivore and they are eating beef and you're able to prepare a sh- beef short rib dish for them, you're going to win them over as a friend for life. If you you know, if you nail it, that's one of those dishes that I think really speaks to the heart, speaks to the soul. So that would be my ultimate favorite. Okay, well, great. Let's set the date. <laughs> anytime, anytime, right. man, anytime. And so, so I know that is your your favorite dish. Um, you know, to consume. Is there a dish that you love to cook or love to serve that differs from the beef short rib? That one is. Uh, that one would be both. Obviously, uh, I was trained classic French, so anytime that you're looking for a way to layer flavors, right? Uh, I'm gonna be. I'm going to be all in. So being able to layer flavors, that is ultimately what we as chefs uh, have been empowered to do. It is a science. It is an alchemy behind it. It's not simply just opening up the cabinet and applying some Lowry's and some black pepper. Not that anything's wrong with those two seasonings, right? But just applying that to whatever it is you're cooking. So being able to start with base vegetables, a light sweat or a light saute, adding flavors, deglazing with a liquid, uh, preferably an acid, and then perhaps adding something a little bit more flavorful, like a stock or broth, letting that reduce, let the flavors intensify, taste, re-season, adding some additional ingredients. It's a process, right? And it doesn't change. You know, there might be some subtleties with different ingredients and uh, different seasonings, but the application of it is the same, which is what I really enjoy. So when we talk about or you talk about things that I really like cooking. I love making pastas. I really love making risotto. Okay. Because risotto is not just dump a liquid over rice, let it boil, and then uncover it and you serve it. Risotto, you cannot walk away from. It is something that you just have to stay with until it's done. And it's a certain kind of rice that you use to make risotto because it gives off a certain kind of starch. Uh, there's uh, an application with the liquid, with the broth. There's a certain kind of spoon that you need to use in order to make sure that the risotto turns out uh, uh, properly. Uh, you have to control your heat. All of these things are important, right? Uh, and then I love making sauces. Okay. Whether that's whether that's hot sauces or cold sauces. I spent on, I spent some time in Chicago and some time early on in Detroit just making sauces, being a saucier, and uh, just doing sauces for beef, saucing sauces for uh, fish, sauces for poultry, excuse me, and then making sauces just from scratch. Um, that's something that's really, uh, really exciting for me. Oh, man. So listen, is there going to be a hospitality bruh sauce? Like, you know, <laughs> is it, since you have an artist who can take care of the graphics and, you know, things like that, and then you come up and, and you come up with the ingredients. And then I know that the gentleman is from the South. I know he has some input on how he can, you know. Let listen, me tell you. I, I, so, so that's I always come up with a challenge for my guests mm-hmm. that are are on. So uh, I'll be the first to try it. I, you know, I, I volunteer for these things. Okay, no problem. Uh, 
No problem. Just don't let the phone ring when we come calling. Oh yeah, no. Listen, absolutely. Listen, when, whenever you, whenever you all have it prepared, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Uh, here, here's something I want to ask you about, man. Listen, as an instructor, an associate culinary instructor with Dorsey Schools uh, in Roseville, what what is it when you, uh, you know, certain professions you can look at somebody and say they have that it factor, you know. Is there anything identifiable uh, just kind of on the outside when you come into a classroom full of students and uh, you're getting ready to present or you're talking or you find yourself in the kitchen? Are there any mannerisms that you can just innately pick up on and say, oh, they've got it? Yeah, I think there is, man. And and, um, prior to my time with Dorsey, uh, I was I was fortunate enough to get affiliated with the American Culinary Federation early in my culinary career. This is coming from Chicago. Uh, And when I made it back to Southeastern Michigan, uh, you know, I just aligned myself with some dynamos in the industry uh, and just, you know, a couple of them really took me under, under their wing. So being affiliated with the American Culinary Federation, ACF, um, I just really got a chance to see, how it's supposed to be done. So before my time with Dorsey, uh, coming into Gleaners, doing the program development, working with No Kid Hungry, working with Share Our Strength, implementing the Cooking Matters uh, program, there there was a teaching aspect to that as well. So the one thing that I did see uh, in a Cooking Matters training class and also present at the school um was probably similar to what I saw when I was in culinary school back in Chicago all those years ago. Uh, so you have to, um, like anything, uh, uh, Andre, uh, um, you have to, you have to want it. You know, you have to be, you have to be willing to commit to the process that's expected of you in order to uh, reap that that reward. You have to put in the work, right? And I saw it when I was in culinary school in Chicago. I saw it when I traveled abroad. I saw it in those uh, in those cooking matters classes. And I see it at Dorsey, Um, specifically this last session at Dorsey when we were all together. So our last session ended end of March, because if you remember, COVID really started, you know, started changing the way we were doing things mid mid-March, late February, mid-March. Yes. So we ran through the end of March with that, that, uh, that first session of the year, uh, until we went hybrid and we broke, we started figuring out how we were going to do classes and then brought, uh, students back mostly in an online capacity. Um, and we're able to do some things at home as far as training and tutelage. But I did have a number of of individuals that came into class and instantly you would know what that it factor is. Now, what is the it factor? It's a, it's a couple of different things. Uh, I remember one student in particular, um, she was very conscious and very specific about the thought that went into executing her cuts, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't want to be, she didn't want to be off a centimeter. She didn't want, you know, she wanted all her cuts to be the same if she and if she didn't nail it or, you know, as we were having conversations and commentary about, oh, you know, this is a proper brunoise. This is a nice 
uh, fine julienne, or this is a proper batonet, uh, large dice, small dice, things like that. Um, you might want to focus on this. And she would instantly add, before I was done, can I, can I go back and do it again? Can I go back and do it? Can I, can I give it another shot? Right. Or staying after hey, chef, you got some time. You have to run home. I just want to knock out this, this exhibition real quick so I can move on to the, so being able to look for the opportunities to, to, to do better than you did before, right. Without being asked to do that. Right. Um, it's rare. It's, it's, just from the, the students that I have seen in, uh, you know, in the uh, the Dorsey community, a lot of times that kind of attention to detail or that kind of attention to uh, going above and beyond, uh, going above and beyond is rare. And when you see it, uh, you can identify it uh, almost immediately. And then I had another guy, older gentleman, he was a little older than me. Um, and he, uh, he came into class with all of this energy, um, definitely had some experience in the business. And, uh, you know, he, he would always look at, look at a, an opportunity as a way to challenge not only me, but himself. So he would always, oh, chef, I'm going to do this better than you. Or chef, you know, uh, or show me how to do this sauce. All right. And taste, oh, that's good. That's good. I can do one better. I say, oh, I want you to be better than me. I want you to do it better than me. Right. Uh, and if you're not getting it, I want you to, you know, raise the white flag. Let's work through it together so that you can see where you might be going wrong or, you know, or I can give you some tips. Uh, so really, really having the passion to work out, hey, why is this not coming out exactly how I want it to come out? Or why is it not tasting quite like it should? Or following a recipe, right? And realizing the end product's not right. So perhaps we might need to tweak the recipe a little bit or, you know, and, and being bold enough to say that. Hey chef, you know I don't know if the consistency of this is right. Do you, would you mind giving a giving a look at this or giving a taste? And that was key with one of our hollandaise recipes. So a lot of the students would try to execute these hollandaise recipes. And I don't know if you're familiar with hollandaise. Hollandaise is one of the five mother sauces, okay. uh, and um, it's a it's a it's a warm egg sauce. Um, it's not difficult to make, uh, but it's very easy to break. And what I mean by break is it can separate. Right. Okay. If you add too much oil in it, the oil will separate away from the egg and it will be just a, a, a runny mess. Right. So it's very easy to break. Um, but some of the recipes that we had might it might have been a little bit heavy on the acid because the acid helps bind uh, and emulsify that kind of sauce. So I did have a number of students, um, particularly those that were very vocal about their training and very vocal about their development come to me and say, you know, chef, I have, I, I'm not a fan of hollandaise, but I had it before and it didn't quite turn out like this. Uh, you know, did I do something wrong? Or, you know, I had my mise en place and, you know, everything set out and ready to go to make this sauce. And I put it together, followed the steps. It just didn't come out right. Is there something that maybe I could be doing differently? So if you get an individual that's constantly asking those kinds of questions, they're going to go. They're going to be the ones that are going to be defining and changing and, and leading the industry. And uh, I think out of my class of 30 that ended in March of this year, I may have had three individuals like that. Just three. 10%. And, you know, and they and they were the ones that sort of kept me on my toes. So I would bring in different articles for them. I would bring it in for the whole class, but they would be the ones that would sort of navigate or gravitate towards it. You know, different books. We talk about different chefs um, and different concepts and techniques, ways in which they could improve. And they would actually go home and 
and, uh, you know, spend the money on the product themselves and, and execute something, take photos of it. And I'd, you know, be one, two in the morning, I'm getting pictures of food from, uh, from students that have worked something out, which is amazing. You know, I thought it was fantastic. Um, so, you know, those are the kinds of things that I see. And those are the kinds of things that I have looked for individuals that are asking those kind of nuanced questions. They're the ones that are really going to be, uh, the changers and the initiators of what's going to be different, uh, in the industry. They're going to be on the leading edge. Yeah. And those skills are so transferable, uh, you know, regardless to what industry you're a part of. Absolutely. And so that, that hunger, that attention to detail, the ability to be meticulous, coming Absolutely. in with an energy, uh, marking what will you, we say, marking the perfect man who, who's the best. I, I was listening to something to Sam earlier today. Uh, I will say who invests a lot of time, sweat and energy only to be second best. Right. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best. That's what we should aim at. Right. Uh, but what I love about what you're doing, man, with the industry is that passion that you have, the experience that you're creating, uh, it diversifies. It ends up in business, uh, not just in the kitchen. Uh, you found a way to kind of integrate all of your strengths uh, and then build a platform from there to empower other people. And it's a process, uh, man. You know, and I know we're getting towards our time here, but it's a process. And I, and I might have touched upon this before, but the one the one other thing that that sort of drives me in this in this business is uh, I was having a conversation with the sommelier wine director at um, Le Cordon Bleu when I was in college in Chicago. And oddly enough, the place where I was renting over in Bucktown off a uh, division in Milwaukee, he happened to be living right across the street from me. I don't know. And I couldn't have planned it better. Um, okay. We just happened to get home one day. He's like, you live there? You live there? We got to hang out. Uh, so one thing he said to me, just we were talking about wine and food one night. And um, and he said, uh, you know, Sam, tell me a little bit about your family. So I was talking to him about the family. And I mentioned the story I shared with you earlier about uh, traveling to Boston, traveling to Georgia, sitting around the table. And he said, that's it. And he said, that's what really drove me to get into the business as well. It's the romance of the culinary industry that drives a true professional that wants to really align themselves with it. That romantic piece of being able to execute something, whether that be a dish or a cocktail presented to someone that you care about, or maybe somebody that you just met and you're instantly able to see the appreciation or you know, just you're able to see just the change uh, within them simply because of something that you've served or something that you've shared or something that you've created. Uh, that was sort of a driving thing for me. And I said, you know what, that's absolutely right. So that's one of the things that has driven uh, me as well. Just the romance of the dinner table um, yes. has really been a catalyst uh, for me to try and do the best that I can every time I have an opportunity. And that's exactly what is it? what it is. It's an opportunity for me to uh, to really benefit and participate in that that hospitality or that culinary event when it's when that you know when that chance is placed upon me so that's really what uh, has driven me uh, you know to the industry and like you said I just borrow from my my collective past and try to use those tools and apply them where appropriate and and usually without fail they are so that's really what keeps me going. 
So here's another challenge, man. Listen, so I'm laying it out here. Well, listen, right? I, we, look, we already got a design of sauce. Yeah, no, listen. We, and look, we got we got to have you. We got to have you as a as a taster for a number a number of different things because I want you to sing our praises. Right. I am. Listen, I am now. Uh, I'm going to deem myself the official test taster uh, for the hospitality bros. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I definitely. I'm looking to culture my palate, and so. Uh, literally it, it is like, um, you know, a freshman in college. I have not, I, I'm open to new experience and ideas. So here, here, here's, here's a question where I, I, I want, if you ever decide to design a cookbook or a how to, uh, if it doesn't exist already, I would love what you said. Or even if you did like a, um, you know, some type of series, uh, where it's like a DIY, you, you know, you're able to come on virtually and you're in people's kitchen and, you know, but you've already sent to the head, you know, what the, uh, the product that they would need, uh, the food they would need. And you can call it, uh, the romance of the dinner table. Right. Yeah. 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 I like and that. Listen, I like man, that. Man, that. Hey, listen, when you said that, I said, Oh, that's a book title. It that's is. It yeah. is. And then, I mean, that's it. And it's, uh, it's almost, um, it is almost, um, uh, like a curricula, you know, the, it's right. something that it's something that can be applied. Um, and I think many aspects of, of hospitality. And then oddly enough, I think it's the one thing that a lot of individuals working in culinary or working in hospitality lose sight of. Yes. No, well, then, and they, they kind of get relegated and trapped to the, you know, you know, being, you know, got to get up at five in the morning or got to commit to these long hours. Anything that you're willing to be good at, you're going to put that time and energy and effort in anyway. Right? right. Don't lose sight of that passion. And the one thing for me is that romance of the dinner today. Right. So how can we it's a production. How can we make sure that once we lay that out. Right. We have not only met those expectations, we're on our way to exceeding them. So that's yes. that's really uh, that's really the place where I want to live. That's good, man. And that's something that, that's kind of been the red thread that uh, you've been sharing uh, as far as your culinary experience has always uh, been to meet and exceed the expectation and uh, figuring out, uh, being able to go back to the drawing board uh, to figure out how to do that. So there's a process to that, right. uh, as you shared earlier. So, man, we're five minutes away from our time. Uh, Brother Sam, how can they get in touch with you? How can they tune into your podcast, follow you on social media? What are all your handles? So listen, the uh, the podcast is coming, but you can reach out to me and us uh, on uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, Hospitality Bros. We are, so it's B-R-U-H-S, Hospitality Bros. So we you know we have a little swag, a little flavor uh, with that collective that we've created. So you can reach out. Uh, to us through all of those social media platforms. Also myself, I'm on Facebook. Um, I am also on uh, Twitter and uh, uh, Instagram as well. You can just search, uh, you know, Sam Bullock, the third, I'll pop right up. Um, And then, you know, just post, uh, you know, different uh, things specific to um, uh, food and and my life that, that, that impact uh, me there. And then I'm constantly looking for those kinds of discussions um, as it relates to, to, to food. But, uh, with the hospitality bros piece, please log on, connect with us. Um, that is where we're going to be uh, really getting the, uh, you know, the nuanced uh, content as it relates to the podcasts, talking specifically about the the how tos, the tutorials, um, 
and um, and then having those elevated discussions, the histories of food, the cultural impact of food, uh, uh, and then looking for ways in which we can, you know, be dynamite and have fun in the process. So, uh, yeah, you can catch me at all those places. All right. So, listen, you've heard it here at the drawing board. Listen, Brother Sam is definitely going to get these beef short ribs on deck. All right. <laughs> uh, we're going to have that experience. Uh, but I am the I listen, I have been deemed the official test taster That's for right. the hospitality bros. Listen, we, we're gonna have to shoot this live or something. Now oh, yeah. I have I have to be honest, when it comes to those spicy sauces, I might begin to perspire. You know, it's uh, the system is don't a little worry. Don't worry, I got you. I got <laughs> right. you. and we you know, we can and you know, we can have a whole educational journey about that as well. So um, I got you on the spice tip. It's it's all about flavor. I don't have to burn your mouth out. It doesn't have to be too hot, but you want it to be flavor, you know, be flavorful. And I want you to remember it based on how you have felt after eating it. So I'm going to make sure that that's the at the very least we've met that. Yes. And one thing that I'm going to take from this uh, interview, this conversation, Brother Sam, is that you said when it comes to uh, being a chef, it's about layering the flavors. And for me, that is such a life lesson, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, you said certain things you just have to spend and take time with it. You have to wait until, uh, you know, the, you have to have the proper heat. You have to have all of these elements synergistically working together so that you can produce the intended outcome. And that, for those who are listening on, is transferable to anything that you're doing. And ultimately, what I received from this, Brother Sam, is that you said whatever you're willing to do, you are going to spend the time doing it anyway. So you must commit to it. That's right. Commit to being the best. And That's so right. now uh, I cannot wait till Brother Sam comes out with this curricula called uh, the romance. <laughs> the romance of the dinner table. Romance of the dinner table. Man, this is how we it. fell in love. This is right? where I, look. This is where ideas are born. I knew something powerful was going to happen on this uh, on this this back and forth that you and I had planned today. So this is where ideas uh, are born. And I can't tell you how many places and, and times I've been in situations like this, talking to good individuals and they, you know, out of it comes a, just a tremendous idea and an opportunity to expand upon. So I'm excited. Yes, sir. Well, listen, for my listeners, make sure you go and follow brother Sam. Uh, I challenge you all to culture your palate uh, for the rest of your lives, but let's start in 2020. Do something different with your food. Bring creativity to your household. Get around the table and create that family experience while we still have the ability to invest a lot of time with our families and you're not ripping and running. The dinner table is an excellent place to start. Brother Sam, again, thank you for uh, being my guest. And to you you all, you you already know what time it is. Your future is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. And I'm Andre Ebron. And this is the Drawing Board Podcast. God bless. Peace.